back to On the Block with Stricken Bach on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. <laughs> yeah, the block is hot, baby. You know how we do it on the block, my man. Yeah. Welcome to the block. I got my guy joining us right here, and it's hot. Hot off the press. Eastrick, my man Jake Bakovin, and my boy, my homie, my friend, Seth Sabalas, joining us on the block tonight. Had a wonderful career. Great, not only partner, great teammate, but not only that, a great friend. <laughs> Some highlights about said he is the one and only dunk contest champion that did it blindfolded. <laughs> He also had and spent some time one of his years in the Lakers. He led he led in field goal percentage at 56.6 in 92 and 93. He did that with the Suns when they went to the championship. That's my bad. He also, with the Lakers, got busy, put in that mad work, and became an all-star with the Lakers in 94 and 95, and then had a little injury or two, joined us in Dallas where we did some work and helped Dallas to turn that organization around. Said, welcome to the block today, man. How you doing? I'm good. Thank you very much. Y'all don't understand. Coming in that intro music would put Eric on another plateau before. Now he's calm. He's, you know, this is the calm Eric Strickland y'all getting right now. <laughs> that one that used to walk, that one that used to walk through the locker room before the games, ready, just pumped up. Is that's not the guy that you guys get. You get the calm guy right now. <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't know the old stinky. They don't know the old stinky. They don't nine. know nine. <laughs> yeah, they don't know nine. They just know he's straight. You know what I'm saying? But yes, yes, sir. Ed, yes sir. Um, yeah, man, welcome to the block again. So, you know, some of the things we want to talk to you about, man, you're doing some wonderful things right now. We'll get into that, man. We'd love to hear, get your, you know, Twitter handles and, and information about what you're right, doing right, on right. the radio show. It's phenomenal. I got a chance to listen to it. Also, um, what, what is what? It's the uh, curfew, right? You have you're doing the curfew too. You're still doing that, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the curfew is just a uh, you know. Well, we had this pandemic going on. Everybody started DJing and and uh, going on streaming online online, and that was one of the things I started doing. Just calling the curfew because there's really no time to it. No, no matter how long we go, we just kind of just roll with the vibe. Music can go anywhere, uh, but just just showing some relief to these you know people who are getting cabin fever you know at the time and uh you know obviously some things has opened up now but it, it was uh it was tough and people needed a place to release or just try to enjoy mm -hmm. themselves while they were stuck in the house no doubt yeah. so said in in your time you know just just kind of give us a little a little relay because you came in kind of unsung you know nobody really you know they you were a little unique different type of player your style was unique right. you know you you were very crafty with the ball and, and, and you didn't look like the most athletic dude, but you would you would bust buzzing rather head open, you know. Yeah. By the time they look at it, and they got you know a fifty piece on them. So yeah. you know, tell us kind of how you came in. You came from uh, Cal State Fullerton, right? Right. And so, then, so my you know, my, my, my story, yeah, my story is um, it's a unique one, uh, to be honest with you guys. I mean, I wasn't the all everything at the park, all everything in high school, junior high, all that. Uh, I didn't get recruited out of high school. Um, I did, I played one year varsity. Uh, I barely played that year. Uh, a guy named Ronnie Coleman. He went he went on to USC. Left handed guy. He ended up breaking his wrist. He was ahead of me. Uh, the last game of the season, uh, last conference game of the season. So I got to start and uh, I ended up losing to Stacy Augman and 
uh, the championship in uh, in the L.A. County. But those five games, you know, nobody had heard of me. Nobody was, you know, on me. So I, I just, you know, considered myself one. I had I had grades to go, but nobody recruited me. So I had to go to junior college because financial situations, you know. And um, somebody got hurt then. You know, a guy named uh, Kevin Venable. He was an all-L.A. junior college All-American, and uh, he got hurt uh, the sixth game into the season. And I got portrayed up into the starting lineup and became All-American. We ended up winning state that year, and that's where it kind of just started snowballing. Um, uh, the next, the following year, became All-American, too. And then I got some recruiting letters, uh, LSU, UCLA, uh, um, and then I, I ended up going to Fullerton because my older brother, uh, had signed with Fullerton before me. And so I got to visit him. I knew the coaching staff. I was real comfortable with the area. Uh, I still wanted moms. We, we lived in Los Angeles, so I still wanted moms to be able to come see me. Um, and eat. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's the biggest thing. And so that, you know, just being in the comfort zone. I didn't have my mind on going pro at all. That was not my objective. I wanted to play. I wanted to go to a place where I can play two more years. Uh, because I, I, I enjoy playing. I, I I grew up sitting on the bench. I sat the bench all, all of high school. Again, I told you one year varsity. So uh, I got comfortable those two years in junior college just playing the whole game. I mean, I, you know, so I wanted to do that. Um, I got an opportunity to play, have some big games against UNLV, Larry Johnson, Stacey Augman, Tarkany, and that whole crew. And obviously, you know, Anderson Hunt. I mean, they had all kind of pro, Greg Anthony. So me putting up the numbers I was putting up against guys who were supposed to go first pick, second pick, uh, top 10 picks in the NBA, uh, people started giving me a look. But again, they really didn't know nothing about me. Uh, I got fortunate to be the second to the last pick in the draft uh, to the Phoenix Suns. And and this is the big thing, especially when I, when I went to the front office uh, side. I really expressed on getting to the right program is so important. Important. It, I mean, there's so many great players that we never see because the the draft is wrong for them. You know, if I if I would have went to a Detroit out of mm-hmm. out of out of college, I would have never made the NBA. You know, they they, they had a discipline on, on defense. Chuck Daly, they walked the ball up the court. Uh, they ran when they could, but I was a up and down guy. Uh, going to the Phoenix Suns was perfect. You know, Paul Westall was the assistant coach there. Uh, he was it was a key he was a key model and drafted me. Uh, Cotton Fitzsimmons, rest his soul, was the head coach, and they wanted to run up and down the court, and and it fit my style perfectly. So mm-hmm. hats off to all the GMs and and the, and the guys out there scouting, because if they get it right, you know, you I I changed my life, I changed my family's life because because of a scout, you know, for guys out there looking at players like myself, uh, and they get it right to put them on the right team. Why not jumping forward a little bit? Obviously, you'll probably get asked about this a lot, but that slam dunk uh, championship that you did have, uh, what is it kind of like to be uh, to go about? I mean, how did you get invited to that game? How did, how did you become um, a, a somebody that would get an invite? And then what brought you to the idea of obviously the blindfold? Yeah, well, um, getting an invite, they see you getting dunks in games. You make the highlight reel. At the time, inside stuff was the big thing on NBC. And if you got to you know, uh, rewind or you got dunks of the week or whatever, uh, they would kind of like, okay, this guy's known to be a, a dunker. Uh, so that's what really got you into the contest. Uh, let's back up a little bit. They had a, uh, a, a college senior classic in Orlando 
uh, before we got drafted, you would go showcase yourself. I think they moved it to Phoenix after uh, it was in Orlando. And they had a dunk contest. And um, I ended up winning the dunk contest. And it, and it's ironic that the person that I beat in that dunk contest was D. Brown. So <laughs> D. Brown goes to the Celtics. I go to Phoenix. I don't get to play. We got Dan Marley. We got Xavier McDaniels, Eddie Johnson. Uh, I don't get to play. D. Brown, they're rebuilding in Boston. He comes right in. He gets to play. So, obviously, they're going to put a guy that's been playing minutes instead of a guy who's sitting on the bench. So, D. Brown uses all my dunks. He, he, he does the dab dunk. Uh, he takes he takes my idea of pumping up the Reeboks. He does everything. So, I'm sitting at home boiling. You heat it. I'm sitting there. Oh, man, I'm hot. I, I'm cooking stuff, and I ain't got nothing on the flame. That's how hot I was. So, as soon as we played Boston, we run out the tunnel. I run right up to him like, yo, I, I, can I get my percentage? And he was like, oh, oh you know. Ooh. So I'm like, okay, it's all right. That just fueled my fire. Let me work on my game so I can get back in a dunk contest and beat him next year uh, for, for, for mm. so he tried to avenge his title. Unfortunately, he did not. Uh, he was hurt, so he didn't get in the dunk contest. But Magic Johnson um, announced his retirement uh, for the, you know, having the uh, HIV virus. And he was, we played the Lakers in the forum, and he's, He's working out uh, because they, they granted him the starting position. He was voted in the starting position. And, you know, Magic was like, yo, so what you going to do, man? D. Brown came with this, man. You're going to have to go all the way blind on him. And I was like, ooh. ooh. I was like, ooh. So I took that back to the Phoenix Suns Gorilla. And I was like, yo, have you ever did this? He's like, yeah, we did it at a spoof and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, okay. So then when they started the line, the lineup, it was Sean Kemp, uh, Larry Johnson, John Starks. Uh, D. Brown was out. They had Nick Anderson, uh, Stacey Augman. So I'm thinking, okay, a no-name like me, how do I put my name mm -hmm. and make my mark? I got to leave my mark. So I, I, I was working on it and working on it. I only made it like two and a half times. It was real bad. I mean, it, it wasn't looking good at all, fellas. Uh, so we ended up switching it up to a spoof. I talked to the NBA already. I was the first person to contact the NBA to let them know what I was going to do prehand. So they can do, they can be involved with it as well. So what I was supposed to do after, if I got eliminated, I was supposed to dunk, I was supposed to miss the ball, basketball, the dunk, the blindfolded dunk really, really bad. And then the mascots run in with the, with the stretcher. They put the basketball <laughs> on the stretcher and then they run out and leave me out there. It, was a big, it would have been a big spook. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so after I already won the dunk contest, you know, the officials was looking at me like, you still going to do it? I was like, you know, all right, let's try it. So when I went out and tried it, it went in. Like I, if you re, if you go back in YouTube and check it out, it goes in. I grab the basket and I'm looking over at the mascots and I'm like, hey, it went in. It's in, it, baby. <laughs> so you know that's that's how yeah. that all came about. And, and to this day, y'all need to get D Brown on the show because we never on the same show where we can talk about this and he can relinquish the truth on how uh, I had all those dunks and he took all my stuff from me. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, bro. And, you know, and, and I've known said for a while now, and I still didn't know the inside scoop on that story. So that's pretty dope. We got to hear it right here on the block. So, yes, so, so said you're, you're now, you're part of the Lakers organization. We, we spent some time in Dallas, but now as you're sitting there in Phoenix and in the, in the wonderful things that you're doing now, you're getting a chance to look at this Lakers, this Lakers team now. Um, they seem to be operating, you know, have a lot of probably Hall of Famers on the team. 
Um, what is it that you see with this particular team that that that's kind of showing them to be so mediocre um, with the way that they're playing? And do you think that they can get it turned around to make a hard run at the championship this year? What's well, first thought? things first, no, no Anthony Davis. Okay. You know what I mean? Like he, 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 he could be a top five player. If you take a top five player off of any team right now, they're not going to do as good. You know, it's just, just the way it is. They, they're, they base their team off of Anthony Davis, not LeBron. I mean, LeBron is great and he does great things, but even LeBron brought, made sure Anthony was brought in to be the man on the team. LeBron is going to do what he does. You don't have to really put him in a, a, a slot because he's just great like that. And I think what's really hurting them is, um, you know, when they won the championship, they had a lot of great players in a role position. And Eric, you know, because you were great at this, I wasn't so great at it because, you know, that defense wasn't my forte. On the defensive end, when you rotate, if you're the one or two guy, if you're not the one or two guy, you get away with not making rotations. And the three, four, five guy automatically knows, said don't rotate mm-hmm. that well. I got to rotate and get back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. When you put a superstar like Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, and all the rest of the stars that they had there in those positions – they have never played underneath a three. They, they've always been the first, the best player, the second best player, or the third. They've never been the fourth or the fifth best player. So I think that's what's really hurting them. They just really have to understand, like sometimes Carmelo is like, well, why do you need to rotate? Like, no, you are that fourth, fifth, sixth guy that needs to rotate uh, in, in those positions. That's why I think the biggest attribute that they're going to have is uh, Ariza. Because that's what he—that's the role he has played his whole career. He understands it well. Uh, uh, he can knock down the open shot. That's not what he is out there to do. He's out there to rotate, cause havoc, and defense. Yes, he's up in age, but his knowledge of basketball is great. Uh, I think that's what they have to do. They have to understand that the rotation has to be a full commitment and not a rotating to a position just to be rotating over there. I mean, you got to rotate over and, and, With and purpose. Do, do what Eric Strickland used to do very well. Take your body out. You, you got to take the charge. You got to big contact. You got to be physical. Uh, you have to rotate. And I think that's the biggest thing. Offensive wise, they got enough firepower to win basketball mm-hmm. games. But do they make those rotations, especially the way the ball moves now? Like Golden State, they really move that basketball. Unbelievable. Uh, if they try to go to the East, Brooklyn can move it. They do have great one on one players. And also, Milwaukee. With Giannis, Giannis learned how to pass the ball really well after they won a championship. So that's what the Lakers are going to have to do to try to compete. And I, I did want to ask you too about a, a fun thing that I learned about you just kind of looking up is that you were on some tracks with Warren G. I mean, you, you've got a you've got a pretty good uh, history as far as being one of the better, HYB, one of the yes. better rappers in the NBA. How, how did you? How does how does that work? I mean, how did you kind of come up? I guess uh, to become a part of that. Uh. You know, I, I grew up in L.A. Uh, I went to high school in Compton. Um, you know, um, me and MC Wren played on the same basketball team together. Um, you know, I, I used to listen to Dr. Dre when he DJed. Hold on, real quick. Just so you know, MC Wren is with the infamous N.W.A. So it's just yeah. so y'all don't don't know, you know now. Go ahead, Sam. <laughs> yeah, look, so so I watched Dr. Dre DJ in, uh, for, for, base, for kids' baseball games. Uh, quick, Ice Cube, everybody around. So I knew him, and you just, you know, everybody wants to rap when this whole hip-hop phenomenon came down. So everybody had rhymes, and, you know, just where could you get on? 
And I just kind of used my basketball talents and, and the way to get in to, to do that. Uh, I knew Dr. Dre, but uh, I didn't know Warren G. And I know they are brothers. And I was trying to figure out a way to make that connection. And we just so happened to have our, our suburban trucks in the same place getting TVs and speakers into a sound system in it. And I gifted him a wooden steering wheel. Knowing that I had an opportunity to make a, a record, I gifted him that steering wheel. So when we made that introduction, I had already broken the ice. And I was like, hey, man, it's an opportunity for me to, you know, make a song. We can, we can raise some money for some charity. Uh, Sony's going to sign us. Is, is, is it okay? You know, I'm, I'm, I grew up in L.A. I went to school in Compton, U Long Beach. Uh, I think our, 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 our era is kind of the same. So let's get down and get together. And he was all for it. Man, that's that's really cool. Well, Sid. that's dope, Sid. Go ahead, yeah, finish oh. up. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, I was just saying that's really cool. The only other question I had was, like, you know, obviously you get plenty of questions about of your NBA career. Uh, I thought it was pretty, kind of cool that at, at the end you ended up playing Israel and Russia and in the Philippines, mm-hmm. uh, and especially the Philippines. I think you're you're partially Filipino. How, what, what was the kind of the response there, um, and how cool was it to play overseas? Was it was it kind of difficult with the language barriers and that sort of thing? No, it, it was actually pretty cool. I wish I would have played longer, um, but, but my contracts were only like four games, one game, two, three games. They were they were kind of like in a celebrity role. Oh, okay. uh, the teams that I was going to, uh, you know, you know, weren't that really prominent in their league, and they just needed some fan support and and you know wanted to try to pick my brain a couple of games to get themselves going. Uh, I got an opportunity to go to the Philippines. Yeah, half my family is Filipino. Um, I got that chance, and that was great, you know, because they were in the finals over there in the PBA, and uh, the, one of their Americans got hurt. Uh, I think they got hurt game three, and uh, so they brought me in for game four, um, and we ended up winning uh, game four. It's wild because we took the long flight, 21 hours, and I went straight from the plane to the court, Jeez. you know, which mm. was wild. Well, well, I had to go to commissioner's office first. This is a funny story. I got to tell this one. The, the league is uh, what is changed now, but at that time it was a 6-4. You had to be 6-4 and under to play in this league. Uh, the, uh, the Americans had to be 6-4 and under. So you have to go to the commissioner's office, and the commissioner has this wall, this, this plank coming out this wall <laughs> that's exactly 6-4. 6-4. And so they told me, all right, you're 6-7. What I want you to do as soon as you get in the office, take your shoes off, wear some baggy shorts, sag them down, and then you kind of bend your legs and then scoop down a little bit so you can fit underneath this thing. All right, so I'm all ready to go. I walk in, I meet the commissioner. They talking to him, turning his back while I go get underneath this thing. And Strick, I bust my head right open (laughs) on the board. I'm leaking blood. I'm leaking blood everywhere. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my God, like, what's going on? So they just pushed me up against the wall. I, I go up against the wall, and they go, Commissioner, just takes a look over there. And he I don't know why he didn't notice all this blood on my face, you know. And he just go, okay, okay, no problem. And they take me away, run me out. I didn't even put my shoes on or nothing. They just run me out, and I, all of a sudden I get to play in this game. It was, it was so crazy. But I tell you what, the, the fans were packed. Uh, 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 it was packed in there. It was great energy. Uh, I, Philippines, I've been there a couple times before, but it was – it's always love when you when you go to some place where you you no have doubt. some sort of history with. No doubt, said man. Listen, come back and join us again on the block, man. We love to have you back, man. Thank you again for joining us. We're gonna take a break, man. Get some commercials, and we're gonna finish up with hitting the hardwood. Actually, you know what? 
you you think should we should we keep saying since we're gonna be talking about all star? Yeah. We're gonna be you. You want to stay for another segment? Say it's just a small man. segment. We talk about Let's the all stars a little bit. He said gonna stay with us, man. Come back right after this. We're gonna talk hitting hardwood with these strict right after this.